Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of the Leadership and Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Michael. And today we have a slightly different format to the show. Um, We're going to focus on an aspect of leadership um, known as storytelling, which is hugely important um, for leaders. Uh, And I am joined by the absolute brilliant storyteller, Stephanie Somerville. Stephanie is known for her storytelling in America and um, her examples worked all over YouTube and uh, she's done a TEDx talk as well. Um, So I'd like to welcome Stephanie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, It's a privilege to be here. Um, Although this is sort of uncharted waters for me, uh, I'm usually more comfortable on a stage instead of in front of uh, working professionals. So this is a treat. (laughs) Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. So um, usually I'd ask, uh, how do you get into construction? But that's not applicable in this case. Um, but I'd, yeah. I, I, I'd love to know a bit more about yourself and your background, and I'm sure so will our listeners and viewers. So could you tell me a little bit more about yourself and how you got into storytelling? Yeah, sure. So I have worn many hats in my life, although I have never worn a construction hat. Um, I've been an actress, a singer, a storyteller, um, and I've always had a lifelong career in broadcasting film and television Um but primarily as a performer in some form. Um, In college, I studied as a classical actor. Uh, I trained in New York and also in the UK, in Lincolnshire and Stratford-upon-Avon and London. Uh, I based myself in New York City, where I did a lot of theater, and I attended a lot of after-the-show cocktail parties with friends. And there is where I would share a lot of my unusual life stories. So one day, a lady overheard me telling one of my stories, and she said to me, that's a really great story. How would you like to stand on a stage and tell that to an audience? And that lady was the artistic producing director of a storytelling company called The Moth. And so that's how it all began. Uh, Since then, I've gone gone on to uh, foster a career in storytelling. My stories have been featured in five books published by The Moth in four different languages, uh, the latest being Japanese. I have collaborated with major institutions to raise money for charities um, and foster conversations about diversity and inclusion in the workplace. That's one of the things that I'm most known for. And so now I'm using my storytelling powers for good by being an inspirational speaker. Um, as you had mentioned, you can see my TED Talk on YouTube. And exactly one year ago today, on January 20th, I was featured on BBC Outlook uh, about my most famous story uh, uh, in an encounter with a white supremacist. So that's pretty much it. Wow. <laughs> just just that, nothing else. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's amazing. That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, so t- tell, me, tell me a bit more about the moth then. Okay, so The Moth is a live storytelling events company that is dedicated to the art and craft of storytelling. Its mission is to honor and celebrate the diversity and commonality of the human experience through storytelling. Since its launch in 1997, Every Moth Show has been about the same. It's basically one mic, an MC, and five storytellers who each have to tell a true compelling story based on a theme for the evening. They have to tell it without any notes under 10 minutes. And if you start to go over your time, 
there's a musician in the corner of the stage that starts to play music that gets louder. So it's kind of like the Oscars. So if you don't wrap it up in a timely manner, you just get played off the stage. <laughs> and it's been my fortune that in all of the years since 2007, I told my first story with the moth, I have never been played off the stage. So that's why uh, they keep calling me back. <laughs> so um, I tell people that it's part theater, part documentary, and it has a reality TV vibe because you really don't know what's going to happen because none of it is scripted. So um, the, it started, though, uh, what's interesting to note is that it started in New York City, and now there are moth events all over the world. And in the UK, they have regular events in London, and I think it's called Cheltenham. Is that it? Is that the town? Cheltenham? Cheltenham I don't know yeah. where that is. Yeah. So they have <laughs> I'll, regular I'll be honest, moth events. Uh, I don't know where that is either. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> My drug-free eggs are great. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I have no idea. But they do have, I know that they have a hold events there. So since then, um, the moth has expanded its reach through a variety of formats. So they have podcasts and uh, anthologies. And one of my stories, in fact, is featured in... Um, a book in uh, in the UK, uh, and they also have the Moth Radio Hour, uh, which is featured on Sundays on BBC Radio 4 Extra. And I think the name of the book that I am in is called The Moth, This is a True Story. That's um, It's published by Serpent's Tale uh, in the UK. Wow, that's amazing. And and yeah. just, just while you're talking about, I mean, it, it sounds extremely daunting for 10 minutes. <laughs> To be up yeah. on stage and, and, and to tell that story, um, and obviously you've got a huge, I imagine you've got a huge audience. I mean, roughly, what would what would sort of the audience size be, roughly, usually? Well, um, the moth, it did at one time start out rather small. So we were at a, they usually had like very small venues that seat under, under 100 people. But then as the moth started to grow in notoriety, they had larger and larger venues. I think the largest house, at least I've ever been in, is a 1,200 seat house. Um, but they have been all over the world in all kinds of spaces. The thing that I love is that usually the larger venues, uh, they do them for charity. So the tickets are really, really, really expensive, but the money goes to usually a charity that's local, that has something to do with um, the story of that community, and that's what makes it it beautiful. Uh, it makes it so beautiful. Yeah. The, 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 my own story that it reminds me of, and and a lot of people in construction will relate to this, is um, when I did my professional review to become uh, a member of the Institution of Civil Engineers. So you have to do a fifteen minute presentation, oh, and wow. uh, you you tend to do a lot of prep beforehand, obviously. And I, I, I remember the uh, evening before I was in a hotel in London, because that's where the Institute is based. And I was practicing probably four or five times. My throat was killing me. But every time I practiced it, I went over about 20 to 25 minutes. I'm thinking, this is terrible. Because that 15 minutes, you get cut off and that's the end, you know? And it's the last thing you want to do when you're trying to, you've got to be interviewed by two people, effectively. You've got to yeah. start off with a presentation for 15 minutes. A second over, or maybe, maybe a minute grace, but then they're going to cut you off. And you don't ever want that. And I was, to say I was panicking is probably an understatement when I went in and I have to sit there and deliver that 15 minutes presentation. And I don't know how I did it, um, but in the dive time, 
the guy was sat there watching his watch, timing 15 minutes exactly. And I, mm -hmm. I, I, my presentation finished bang on 15 minutes. He says, you must practice that 100 <laughs> times. You finished exactly on 15 minutes. I was like, uh, not quite, but yeah, 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 practiced it a lot. And it's the first time it ever came under 15 minutes. Either I talked really fast or I missed the whole slide out. Who knows? But it, it's, it's, it's challenging. We've it got is, a lot but to you say. know what? It, it sounds like you would be a perfect candidate for the moth because that's basically what we do. I, I don't uh, think anybody wants to hear about concrete on the moth. <laughs> Well, if you make it compelling, I bet I bet you they would. It depends on your audience, and I'm sure we'll talk about yeah. audience a bit later on. But it, yeah. it, it must be daunting trying to do uh, 10 minutes. And the, when you start telling a story, you'll, I think you'll lose all awareness of time. Um, and I'm sure you actually get audiences that probably want you to keep going and want to hear more rather than finish at 10 minutes, probably. Yeah, so that's the challenge of working in this particular format. Uh, uh, first, I should say that, you know, the art of storytelling uh, normally didn't have these, it doesn't have limits on it, on its time. So there are all kinds of, because of, largely because of the work due to the moth, that the art of storytelling has come back to the world, um, which makes it beautiful. And they, they do have a show that's called A Slam. So it's a little more informal and the time is a little more loose and they pick people by lottery from the audience. And so that one's a little bit, it's a little bit easier. But Sounds like the lottery the time, I wouldn't want to win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there are some people, it's amazing. People line up to tell, to get up to tell their stories. I think it's just a fantastic time honored uh, tradition, um, which I can explain a little bit about later. But getting back to your question of audience and timing, you do get lost in the story, which is why even in business or whether you're telling story for entertainment or you do it like in the format that I do, it's important to have what I call these tent pegs. So they are mm -hmm. the elements of the story that are absolutely essential and they kind of help to keep you, they're like the, the rails on a railroad track or actually they're more like the ties, I should say. They're really, they're more like the ties on a railroad track because you need the ties to kind of keep the story on track or else the track will start to slide back and forth from the momentum of the train, which is the story, if I'm doing the yeah. analogy right. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's one of the things that helps when you're, when to keep you sort of in line but it's that's what makes it sort of exhilarating and thrilling is that you can get lost in the story the audience can get lost in the story and when you get lost as the storyteller it often prompts you to want to add things uh, that you may have not had originally some detail that you may love but it may not be in service to the story so that's that's what's paramount to good storytelling is to edit yourself ahead of time and then promise yourself that you're going to commit to hitting these moments, these what I call tent poles, um, and and promise yourself that you won't leave. Or if you leave, you make you know if you diverge from that, make sure you get right back on track, else you'll lose you'll lose your you'll lose yourself in the story. And sometimes, if you're not careful, you'll lose your audience as well. Wow. Now I was going to ask actually about um, sort of like pointers and how do you keep track of sort of time. Um, so, yeah. um, you know, 
I want to sort of ask it's what seems a bit silly uh, but you know you sort of you're sort of coming onto it anyway but what what is sort of storytelling really fundamentally yeah so we have we have storytelling in the big sense of the word and then we have storytelling for business which is what um, you and your audience would be more um, interested in so Storytelling uh, in general is this ancient communal tradition where a storyteller tells a story to an audience. Uh, traditionally, stories were shared as a means of entertainment or education or cultural preservation or as a way of instilling moral values, uh, which is still basically its primary function today. And that's one of the reasons why the moth has been so successful. Now, the business definition of storytelling is slightly different. It's a way of communicating complex and potentially dry information in a vibrant and meaningful way. And it's this definition, of course, that we're going to be exploring here in the, in the uh, podcast today. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to say, first of all, also to you, congratulations, because I think it's really commendable that as a leader and as an experienced professional in your field, you are exploring this subject as a way of, of building bridges, or I'm trying not to use a construction metaphor, but making inroads um, into this, because it's one of the hallmarks of good leadership. It's the way that a leader can relate to a, a very, an audience that's either varied or um, specific. So I, yeah. I commend you for that. Well, I, I do agree. and. Um if my colleagues that work with me will probably get bored of me telling them that, that we're trying to tell a story. Yeah, I think this is what drove me to wanting to sit with you and have this podcast is because I'm, I'm always telling people, we've got to, it's the story we tell. For engineers and mm -hmm. people in really construction, we become very analytical in the way we think and we're very good at formulas and telling people this is the answer. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes we can neglect the fact that when we're communicating in different forms, um, you know, think even things like tendering or bidding for work, you know, um, you have to be able to tell a story because a lot of the people that we work with, clients, um, asset owners, tend not to be as technically competent or technically as uh, aware. Uh, and so they can get lost in what we're trying to say or, or why the answer is the answer. You start mm -hmm. going into long conversations about different types of cement and concrete and, you know, <laughs> flows of a pipe and sizes of ponds and people just get completely lost and i think i, I i'm constantly saying it to to, to my colleagues and uh, i think i think they are getting bored of me telling them that <laughs> but i think it is important <laughs> absolutely um well yeah. i think it's important you know um maybe you can tell me a little bit more why storytelling is important yeah so especially in business as i had touched on before uh for business and leadership um storytelling is important because first of all it's an effective way of making data and facts more interesting and memorable. Um, it's also a very constructive communication tool. Uh, story facilitates discussion and it fosters empathy, especially between um, disparate parties or um, if you're a manager and you have um, sticky situations to have to manage, using story allows um, both uh, both sides or all of the sides to come together uh, because they can see themselves, especially in story. 
Um, it's a great way for peers to connect and be inspired by their colleagues, especially when the story is about the struggle to uh, solve a particular problem. And I just think in general, it's just a key leadership technique. I mean, it's powerful, um, it's energizing, persuasive, entertaining, but it's also, above all, I think, memorable and authentic. So when you use it effectively, really a good story can resonate with your audience. Um, it can generate creativity, interaction, transformation, um, the benefits are tremendous. I mean, um, the effective storytelling in the workplace can be used uh, to garner and build trust, um, to instill company values and beliefs. Uh, if you need to drive change or promote inter innovation or increase employee engagement uh, and even job satisfaction. I mean, it's super effective in imparting knowledge and skills so, and, and also the, I think the other most common use of uh, storytelling is for what, what I call selling your why. Uh, and what I mean by that is this, is if you have to ever get someone to buy in to an idea or to motivate a group of people to get excited about a project, you basically have to make them understand your why and you have to get them on board or to get them to what I call buy into it. And that's what I call um, selling your why. Now, in business, especially for folks that are in your industry, credibility is often established with data. And that's why people have presentations, you know, with lots of graphs and charts and formulas. So um, it's the data that kind of persuades the intellectual or rational part of your brain. But if you want that why to really stick with people, you have to do more than just persuade the intellectual part of the brain. You need to persuade the emotional part of the brain as well. And the way you do that is with story. So story is what makes a real and lasting impact. It's what makes it sticky. I mean, this concept has been talked about. Um, there's a business book I came across. It's called Make to Stick, Why Some Ideas Survive and Others Die. Uh, I think that's it's I, I know it's definitely called make the stick, but I think it's the rest of the title is why some ideas survive and others die. It's by uh, two gentlemen, Chip and Dan Heath. And it talks about the art of taking a core message or idea and transforming it into something that resonates with the audience, which results in them believing in and caring about or acting on your message or idea. And the basic premise of the book is that if an idea is delivered well and is sticky, then that message doesn't have to be repeated. And they talk about how story is one of the six key ways for making an effective business presentation. Um, there are other uh, parts of the uh, that make uh, business presentation effective. You have simplicity. Uh, your presentation needs to be concrete. It needs to have credibility. It um, it needs to have emotion but they also say it needs to have story to make all of that stick. So to ensure that your message is sticky, you need to craft a story that will resonate on an emotional and a, ra and a rational level with the audience. So, um, yeah. Okay. So, so may I ask then, what's the difference between like an anecdote or, or an, and a story? What's the, what's the sort of difference between those two? Okay, yeah. So anecdote and story, first, let me back up. 
mm-hmm. um, because it relates to finding the right kind of story for whatever you're doing, like your presentations, okay? So, or or in the in the business using story in the business workplace. So, to find the right story, uh, you need to ask yourself two questions. First of all, what's the purpose or goal of telling my story? And the answer is based on whatever you want to show your audience. The second question is, what is the key takeaway for my audience? And that answer is based on whatever you want to make the audience understand. So it's those two questions that help you clarify the reason for using a story. And then it allows you to build a story tailored to your audience. So if you you have to know the, 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 the reason why this comes into play is because anecdote is just a short story about a real person or a, an event. It usually serves to make the listener laugh or ponder over a topic. It's essentially um, an icebreaker. But an anecdote is really um, nothing. Uh, uh, it, it doesn't have a uh, moral takeaway or some sort of of transformational moment in it, like a story. And that's what a story does. So um, just like with any story, you have to capture the audience right from the start. An anecdote does do that. Um, You have to have enough detail to introduce characters and bring them to life, but not too much. And both story and anecdote anecdote do that. Um, It has to lead up to some suspense to maintain interest. Um, which both story and anecdote do that. But the difference is a story ends by incorporating some sort of aha moment or key takeaway. And that's what brings value to your presentation or the reason why you're telling a story. There has to be some sort of moral component or a takeaway or an insight that transforms either the way you as the storyteller or the, or the main character in the story was transformed or it helps to transform the audience. So that's, I don't know if that's a little long-winded, but- No, I think I get that. I think, you know, if I, you know, if you're trying to explain to people your why, and okay, you can do this on maybe on an individual basis, but as a company, if you're, you know, going for interviews or tender interviews or whatever, but, if you're trying to explain to people your why, your purpose, your values, storytelling is a fantastic way, I think, of, of doing that. Whenever I tell people why I got into doing podcasting for leadership and why I'm so passionate about leadership, there is that sort of aha moment, you know, that sort of like, you know, changes the course. And and and, and straight away, people start to understand your values and and buy in, as you were saying, basically buy into your why. So I, I get why this person's doing this. So if you're going in for a tender, you're doing a bid, storytelling or presentation or something, storytelling is, is, is almost a must because otherwise it sounds like we're just, you're just gonna completely lose the people you're talking to, the people you're trying to do business with. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I would like to add, it's one of the ways in which you can set the boundaries. So in a tender, you know, if you're going to make an offer and you need to get specific about how much this is going to cost and, or whatever it is, or what you are willing to do or not do, or the time frame, right? If those things are open to negotiation and you want to defend them instead of defending them with these lists of logical points, 
by telling the person a story, you can still convey those those uh, requests or you know whatever you want to call them without without it being so cut and dry and it's easier to make them buy in you know what i mean like it, it makes it easier for them to accept the timeline or the cost or the parameters or the manpower you know what i mean instead of you having to justify it if you give them a story um it helps them it helps to relay or convey that stuff easily so that you get less resistance mm. Okay. Well, can, can I ask then, is there a template, is there a format that, that people can apply to being able to tell a story? Yeah, well, there's, yeah, there's many, there are many types of models for story, of stories um, that you can use, uh, especially for whatever it is that you want to uh, accomplish for different kinds of objectives. But in general, the most widely used, especially in business, and in business settings is what I call uh, the ABC model. It's one of the easiest or relatable models. So it starts out with you. Often you are the main character. So it's you are the main character feeling or thinking or hypothesizing a certain way about something. So that's part A. Part B is when you count encounter something that is gonna take you on a quest or a journey to solve or figure out part A, and you take the listener on the journey with you. So that's part B. And then part C is what I call the come to Jesus or come to a conclusion moment that brings about some sort of insight or change in your initial perspective on the situation that was in part A. Um, so that's what that that model is really, really very effective and persuasive uh, because you can garner empathy knowing if you know your audience, um, then it makes it it's very easy to get everybody on board. And, and knowing an audience, uh, it, doing that model and, 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 and having a story to tell, it, it's quite dependent on the audience, I think. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think, yes, absolutely. Knowing your audience is critical because if you have a certain uh, work culture or belong to a specific trade, um, adding the proper acronyms, work terminology or cultural idioms can enrich your story and get your listeners caught up in it, right? If you, if you know your audience and they're all in the world of construction, say, right? Then you can use a lot of what would be code in, in your story and people would know that, or you could use experiences that are common in your workplace or your environment or something that's common to your industry. And it's almost like a shorthand, like everybody is like, oh, we have this one thing about our industry that we all, you know, either groan about or we get excited about, or you, you know, you're all divisive about. And that makes your audience excited. So, and conversely, if you're addressing a, a more diverse audience, you'll need to pull back on some of those insider elements or else you'll risk losing some of your audience. So that, and which would also mean that you would lose your story's moral or takeaway if it's not more universal or broader in its appeal. Um, or, and, and if you do that, then you run the risk of your story becoming anecdotal for some people who aren't 
you know, privy to that inside world. So you have to have um, a balance. And that's where, where um, detail and plot uh, in your story becomes important. Because if you have an audience that's more general and you want to include them, then you may have to include sort of basic information that people maybe inside, insiders would know, but not too much information to bore the insiders. So it's it's about walking the fine line, but that ABC model tends to to, to, to hook people in quite easily. Mm -hmm. And so what, I guess, uh, and I, I suppose talk from a consultant's perspective, from a designer's perspective. So I look, look at a lot of drawings and lots of reports uh, and actually look at a lot, a very little that in, in the ground, very <laughs> that's probably two or three times a year. <laughs> because um, I like air conditioning and heating and a, and a cup of coffee in, in, a, in a comfy office. Um, yeah. uh, but um, in terms of drawings and, and, and reports, you're trying to tell, convey a story. Uh, and I always, you know, I always try to say, we've got to remember who's trying to read this drawing. A lot of people that we deal with don't know how to read a drawing. So you've got to make it really obvious. I suppose mm -hmm. we, in that, in a drawing, you're trying to take, you're trying to, highlight where you're trying to the takeaways you know you're talking about with, with the points you want to get across but in terms of reports there's almost like two there's reports that have got to be very technical especially if you know the audience is going to be another peer of similar sort of technical expertise as yourself and others where either you're bid writing or you're um trying to set the vision for um, a cause that you're, you know, you're, you're, a project you're trying to work on, or you're, you're writing to a client who uh, doesn't necessarily know the technical side. And I, I wonder, does the ABC model work in all of those scenarios? Or is it a couple of select few? Yeah, you can, you can use the ABC model in like a short form or an expanded form. So you can use it all the way throughout, like, like let's say you have a report that's, uh, it's going to be dry, you know, you have to talk about things, you know, which, which, I, I can't think. Which most reports, <laughs> engineering reports are, to be fair. Yes, exactly. So I'm not, I'm going to use the word things a lot. So at the, one way of doing it, it is you can introduce the dry and then throughout it, you can sum it up by using analogy which is kind of a short story you know what i mean you can say it's just like when you're doing this you know what i mean you can here's your technical thing whatever once again i'm going to use i'm so sorry but it's like here's the technical information right then you can have especially if you're writing you could have like a sort of summary paragraph as you go along or at the very end um but it's you could use it you could use the abc method as an analogy that would be common to the reader it's sort of like when this kind of event happens in the construction world remember when this happens and you know how you get upset about this or you can't figure out this and then you use this thing to solve it this is what this is like you know what i mean that's for yeah. an example kind of yeah yeah example, so it's, but it's, you know what i mean making it relatable and familiar to right. to try and so, explain something complicated Exactly. So that's when you're using analogy, but you're using a shorthand where it, it taps into the emotion, right? If you can find an, an analogy in, in your world that everybody has some sort of emotional buy-in to, 
that's you can interject that into a report. Also, at the end of a report, if you're sort of pulling it together, um, you can you can use you can use sort of a story to encapsulate the whole like report at the end. Uh, you just have to make sure that your story still has enough technical implements in it so that it it's not too flowery. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that, but at the same time, you can still use a story like anything that's grounded in reality in your world that someone can relate to. Um, you can still use uh, the ABC model. There are probably other models that. Uh, would service, but I can't think right now offhand because I teach this kind of stuff on the side. Um, but I, I always use my always my go-to for most general uh, businesses um, is the ABC model because usually I'm working with like marketing people, and the ABC model is so great for like numbers for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, in the construction industry, we're always having to. Uh, do public consultations, so address people that you know, don't have a construction background, and we're always having to um, win work through bids and tenders. And um, I always think straight away, you when you're, you're meeting with a client and you've maybe never met them before, you've got to find some commonality. You've got to check that the values of the client meet your values. And uh, I think right at the start, to open what you're about, rather than getting straight into it, this is our cost, this is our time, blah, blah, blah. Before you get into any of that, it's about trying to set the vision of what your values are, what your perspective is, why are you in mm -hmm. the, this business? Why, you, why do you want to work on this project? Um, and, and part of that, if you're using storytelling in that format that you mentioned, it's mm -hmm. authentic. It's honest. And um, I always find a lot of people try to be something they're not or try to mm -hmm. be something different in order to try and um, convey a version of mm -hmm. themselves that people think they want to see. Where in actual fact, mm -hmm. it just comes across as false. And so if you're yeah. honest, use an honest story and be honest about why you wanted to do something or why you're trying to do this and what mm -hmm. are your beliefs and how did you get to that belief. I think mm -hmm. that's how you can get buy-in to make sure your values are sort of matching. And then you can start yeah. talking about costs and programs and, and things like that. But I, yeah. starting with the emotional yeah. side of things. Is what hooks, yeah, I was just gonna say, so that's kind of like what Simon Sinek teaches, the story. I call that the story of why. So in that instance, um, it, what that is, is more the story of why. So you would, you would start with, hey, this is who I am or we are. Um, this is what we do. And here's why. Those are the, that's the, and in your telling of why, that's where the emotional component is. But that's the story of why. That's a slightly different because you're not, um, and you can still use the ABC model for that, but that is very, it's much more simpler. It's, uh, I don't know if your audience is familiar or how everyone is familiar with um, Simon Sinek, but he does that best. Um, he has a TED talk on that of, of know your why. Uh, and that's even the model for most 
successful advertising. Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest example I could see of that, you, that really displays that in advertising is the, I don't know if you remember the original Apple commercial uh, back in the early 90s then uh, with the George Orwell 1984 mm -hmm. uh, uh, example. So it's all these people sitting at PCs and it's very Orwellian. And Apple, it, I forgot what happens in the commercial, but it's basically they want people to break out of the box and they have created a computer for people who are not in the box like everybody else. And that, in essence, is your, it was their why. It was why Apple was founded. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what, so it's, you can do it in advertising, you can do it in a, a, a business pitch, but it's the story. In essence, they're all the story of why. Mm -hmm. And exactly, that's exactly what I was about to say. Your why is your history, it's the past, it's something that's happened in your past, which is why you do this. So you can tell yeah. that thing that's happened in your past as a story to get to you. This is why I'm here today. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I, I do like Simon Sinek. You know, I, I like his books and, um, you know, his latest one, um, The Infinite Game, is, is uh, you know, talking about a lot about a just cause. And mm -hmm. what is it? What the next part is, what is your vision for the future? And um, again, I don't know whether you can use the same model, but you certainly want to use storytelling to say, this is why I'm here. This is how I got here, storytelling. What I believe or what I want for the future. And as, uh, in mm -hmm. his book, he makes a great model of, of how you set that out, that just cause. And it can't just be to make mm -hmm. profit, you know, those sort of things, because it yeah. doesn't work that, that way. Um, yep. But it always, always sort of relates to that emotional sort of side of things. And I think mm -hmm. that's a mm -hmm. good basis in order to start to tell what you are about. Uh, and and yeah. not just from an individual perspective, which I do a lot when I talk about leadership and talk about podcasts. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, from a business perspective, you're trying to uh, go for tenders to win work and et cetera, things like that. Mm -hmm. that yeah. Makes yeah. yeah, absolutely. I was going to say that's a good takeaway. So your your vision for the future is your takeaway from that. You could still use the ABC model and you could be like, having been through these things, this is what I want. Yes. You know, yeah. especially if you want to if you want to tell the story of how your vision has changed. Right. That's that would be the use of the ABC model where you had one perspective on life or you had no perspective. Right. And then something, whatever it was, took you on this journey, whether it's your career or whatever it is, right? And now you have this vision of the future and that's the, the takeaway. So vision of the future is very much a, a takeaway that could be used in, in any, a, a great way to wrap up any story. Mm, fantastic. Um, so we talk, we talk about wrapping up stories and unfortunately you know, it's one of those things again that I love to be able to sit down and, and, and talk for hours mm -hmm. and talk about the subject. Um, Unfortunately, we have a talking about finite and infinite, infinite games. This is a finite time, unfortunately, this podcast, this particular episode. <laughs> I say, but all this, this, this channel, this podcast show, it, it's got an infinite minded uh, game. Um, mm -hmm. So the, 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 what, the question I sort of always sort of finish with, and, and I'm going to finish with it the same today, because um, I think you're going to have some brilliant insights, 
is what is what do you think is the most important aspect of leadership? Um, I you know what there are so many, but I think one of them is relatability. It's really oh my gosh, it's so hard. Relatability, <laughs> accountability, empathy. Those three. And that can all be accomplished through story. They are fundamental because you you have to if you and leadership is not really about I want people to follow me. Um, leadership is really about here is what I am going to do, and this is what I am going to show the world. And because it is so compelling, it's not that you're thinking this to yourself, but be, your actions should be so compelling and whatever your morals are, that it makes people want to emulate or follow you. That's what good leadership is uh, to me. And you can find it in those three things. Um, yeah. I think um, I asked for one, he gave me three. That's brilliant. <laughs> that's, that's even better. <laughs> Um, so uh, empathy was certainly one of them. I think empathy is brilliant. Yeah. And um, yeah. I always like empathy because empathy is being able to put yourself in the shoes of someone else and see the world from their perspective. I'm big Absolutely. on perspective. I, like, I could talk forever about perspective. Um, and storytelling, and we've talked about this before, is, all, is, is a way of being able to see, uh, get people to see the world from your perspective, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And accountability, we've never had that one before. Mm -hmm. and I think that's 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 quite important, actually. Yeah, um, I think that you, especially in this day and age, uh, we've seen this play out on all forms of social media. You have to um, think about yourself in the world, right, and what you what you are putting out there. Like it's one thing to have a conversation uh, with your mates over beer and to say and do things. They're not gonna hold you accountable maybe in the workforce for something that you said casually at the pub. But when you are in the public eye, you really need to be mindful. And um, I just, it's just one of those things I have learned as an American, we've seen it play out in our, in our previous uh, president's history. Just the, you can't be casual uh, because you can incite riots, you know, if you're not careful, um, whether or not you intend to. So that's why accountability needs to be, it's important. It's why you want to put your best foot forward. You would want to do that in front of people that you want to negotiate with. You want to be relatable, but at the same time, you want to be accountable. So you want to be clear um, in how you convey your message. You want to be sincere. So I feel like accountability is really, really important. And if you have ever, if you say something that causes a gray area or causes people to react or to follow through in a way that you may that may end up being inappropriate, then as a leader, you need to go in and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I should have rephrased that differently, or I should have said that differently, or I shouldn't have been so casual in the way I had said that, because this was not what I had intended. And by doing that, 
you show a person who is responsible um, and is of good stock, so to speak, and a person that is reliable and um, will be, you know, a valuable member to the team if they can be accountable. I just think it's the most of all of the things because uh, people in times, especially in times of crisis, will need to look to a leader and you you have to act like one. And one of the ways you show that is that you are accountable. I think we can absolutely all relate to that at the moment. Uh, so I think that is yeah. a really great place to end it. So Stephanie, mm-hmm. I, I would, you know, <laughs> we could talk forever, but I, you know, I want to say absolutely. Yes. Huge thanks for your time. It, um, this welcome. podcast has been long in the making. We've been talking about this since 2020. So uh, I'm mm-hmm. so pleased to be able to yep. have this conversation now and and, and put this out uh, on the airway. So thank you ever so much and giving your valuable time. And um, I look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Yeah, this has been my pleasure. Thank you all so much. Thank you.